the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, hello, my friends. I'm Dennis Prager. The great debate for the last few months has been... Well, that's not true. I, I take back what I was about to say, so I'll tell you what I was about to say, and then I'll take it back. Great debate has been, what what do I begin with? But it's not true. For the coronavirus time, it was clear the lockdown was the issue, and the, then the virus was the other issue. I thought that the lockdown was the primary issue in the world, and I still do. And I think I turned out right. I was somewhat of a lonely voice. I was not alone, just lonely. But uh, with the beginning of the protests and the violence, and I am not claiming they are the same, then there were so many issues. For example, do I begin with a big macro subject? What do young Americans have to believe in? It is huge. It doesn't get huger. Or do I begin with the obscene charge of murder against the policeman in Georgia? Murder. He could be liable for the death penalty. Did you see how he spoke to the man for 26 minutes? Did he strike you as a premeditated murderer? Did he strike you as wanting to murder the man? I had a policeman on here two days ago for an hour. Remember the Los Angeles Police Department, and uh, he felt that it could have been handled differently, and a mistake might have been made. He emphasizes might have, and and. A mistake is a mistake, and murder is murder. Turns out that the man had uh, a number of prior arrests and was afraid that with this arrest he would, in fact, go back to uh, prison. That's the reason he put up a struggle. When you're drunk in a driver's seat and the police stop you when you fail a sobriety test and they're good to you and they just want to take you in you don't start fighting them the attitude toward police is obviously very different than it was in the past the isolated instances and they are isolated we have the numbers that's the only reason I could say they're isolated are blown up to be the norm. The number of interactions of police with difficult people, to say the least, is remarkable. I just don't see why 
idealistic leftists graduating our colleges don't go into police work. And they want to make more money. They don't want to put their life on the line. But somebody has to. And then we we judge them as if under under circumstances almost none of us ever experience they must do the exact right thing they must protect the public and not apply one iota of more force than is absolutely necessary as if they know always how much is necessary The DA is playing a game. That's all he's doing. He's up for re-election, and he just wants to show how tough he is. On the macro, I actually remember America. It existed until the Obama administration. And I remember in America where overwhelmingly in daily life and I used to say it on the radio you know I just I watch in daily life and I interact myself and it seems to me blacks and whites get along pretty darn well in the United States of America and I do believe that to a large not entire extent that has been shattered by the left because everything they touch they destroy it is I mean I've been thinking about this. I know most of you who are white can't do this. It's it's too too difficult and painful. But it would be interesting to ask a, a black colleague at work, let alone a black friend, in in as honest and non-confrontational a way possible. Do you believe every white is a racist? I I wish that every black American could be asked that question. And I have no idea what the answer would be. Is this a left-wing position, meaning left-wing whites, as well as left-wing blacks? Or is this a left-wing position and a black position. Every white is a racist. Is every non-Jew an anti-Semite? My grandfather thought that. Came from Eastern Europe. So I'm curious. Well, some very big questions are up there. Will people return to football? I wouldn't go to football football or watch it on TV now if I were a fan. It would be difficult because it's a beautiful diversion sport. But they've poisoned that too, and, and Roger Goodell, like Drew Brees, went from one day, you know what, we have a flag and we stand for it, 
And that's the policy of the NFL, too. Oh, are you kidding? Oh, please. Of course you should not stand for the national anthem. It has nothing to do. This is the Orwellian position we're supposed to take. It has nothing to do with respect for the flag. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, please rise and take your hats off. I won't rise or take my hat off, or I take my hat off, but I won't rise. But it has nothing to do with the national anthem. And I'm supposed to say, of course that's true. General Motors tomorrow will be stopping work for eight minutes and what is it, 26 seconds, What, whatever the, 46 seconds. In, in order to say what? That the country is racist? Here's another interesting question for people to ask. America is racist, is the claim. You always have to say, compared to what? All adjectives imply comparison, right? If you say so-and-so is overweight, compared to, to what? So-and-so is tall or short, compared to what? In certain societies, this person will be tall. In certain societies, this person will be normal. In uh, you know what is that? What do they say? In, in the land of the blind, the one-eyed person has perfect vision, or whatever it is. Compared to what country is is America racist? Minorities in the United States, compared to minorities in in other countries, how do they do? We were just speaking, or my wife was just speaking, I don't recall exactly the circumstance, to some Indonesians, uh, Chinese Indonesian. Yes, I know, I know who. Friends of ours, their child is marrying into that family. And they were speaking about how the Chinese are mistreated in Indonesia. Do you know that? I suspect not. All right, I want to remind you that this is a great time. These these times pass, and then you kick yourself, hopefully not too hard, to uh, get a great rate on a mortgage, a refi, a new fi, hi-fi, or Wi-Fi. I'm just kidding around, but refi or new fi or even a reverse mortgage. This is all done with two guys who have been working throughout the entire lockdown, Andrew and Todd at Sierra Pacific Mortgage. So if you are considering a refi new purchase, cash out, refi, or reverse mortgage, don't wait. Go to getandrewandtodd.com now. They will navigate these waters for you. They're at Sierra Pacific Mortgage, 888-888-1172, or go to andrewandtodd.com, and they will take it from there. Sierra Pacific Mortgage, if you prefer to call, 888-888-1172, or andrewandtodd.com.
com. So a friend of ours is with the LAPD just texted Alan about the number of blacks who've been shot. What was the number you gave me? Six last night. Six last night. In L.A., just in L.A. Of course, in Chicago, it's it's considerably uh, a higher number. 32 in the last in the last two weeks and not by police and presumably not by whites so it would be interesting if there were a demonstration in the inner city we would like a more policeman what would be done with them with these would these people be dismissed by the rich whites who write for the New York Times editorial page as Uncle Tom's as sellouts, as fascists, what would, what would they be dismissed as? I believe with all my heart that the average leftist doesn't give a damn about black deaths in the inner city. I believe it as deeply as I believe anything. Let's put it this way, as deeply as I believe anything, I can't absolutely prove. Because you can't prove what people feel but you can prove how people act and they ignore this the answer to black lives matter to that label is not all lives matter of course that's true all lives matter but the intent of black lives matter is to say they haven't in the past that's that's the intent of the slogan. So answering all lives matter doesn't fully take up the argument that is being posed by the phrase black lives matter. So there is, however, a, a, a better answer. All black lives matter. And that they, they would find that offensive and ask them why. Why would you not change your name to all black lives matter because it doesn't comport with the depiction of the left of the United States which is that of a majority white culture that is systemically racist all whites are racist we live in the land of the lie, abetted by big business. But I've said this all of my life since I studied communism. When I saw all the big businesses that wanted to do business with the Soviet Union, generally speaking, big business is necessary, but the, uh, the people in it are conscienceless. Big business has no conscience. So they, what they do is they cover their non-conscience with acts, kabuki plays, as they call it, like General Motors will do with its eight minutes and 46 seconds of cessation of work tomorrow. Yes. I was thinking about young Americans, something I will go back to later in the show. This is a this is a true crisis, and I I remember I can I have been conducting Jewish High Holy Day services for thirteen years, 
the uh, Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur services. I've been conducting them. And many years ago, one of my sermons was on the lack of heroes for young people in America and how unbelievably important it is. Can you name me a hero for young blacks from the past? Did I say young blacks? That was a mistake. Young people. Name me a hero for young Americans of any color. When, when, when George Washington is villainized, you have reached the nadir. They don't, so remember, when I was a kid, and it was already dying by the time I was in high school and certainly college, but I do remember in America where in God we trust and God bless America were very powerful statements that meant a lot. And then almost overnight, they began to be ridiculed. God is ridiculous. Patriotism is ridiculous. What's left? What is left? What does a young American have to believe in? Anti-racism? Anti-carbon emissions? Think about it. What does a young American have? The flag means nothing. The church means nothing. And the history means nothing. Right? I acted in a George Washington birthday, a Washington's birthday play in an Orthodox religious day school when I was in elementary school. I wonder how many have that now. Schools in general, religious schools in particular. Yes, indeed. You can't fill the gap with the nihilism of the left. You can try, and it works for a period of time. But nihilism doesn't substitute for meaning. It's nice to bring to you things that can be uplifting. And here is an example. There is a new documentary. How many parts is it? four-part documentary on the Coast Guard that will be appearing on the uh, History Channel. I have the documentary's producer and director, Cork Friedman, on the line. Mr. Friedman, welcome to the Dennis Prager Show. Mr. Prager, how are you? Good morning. I'm fine. You know, I've never met a Cork before. And uh, I, I was, when I said uh, something, to the, oh, yeah, Mr. Friedman, I thought, wait, what if Cork is a woman? I, how did you get the name Cork? You know, I may never really truly know the answer to that question. My, my parents gave it to me at birth. And uh, I, the story goes that apparently back in the 60s, 
Um, there was an expression that somebody's a real corker. I was born with bright red hair and apparently a lot of personality, and they named me Corky. And as I grew up, I actually did a little more research, and I saw that around the same time, there was a, a clown named Corky the Clown with red hair. So I, I'll never know, but that's my guess. All right. I feel bad. Are you asked this often, <laughs> or do people hesitate lest they come across as uh, uh, anti-corkist? No, you know, I don't hear it that often. You know, people either get it wrong or they get it right and they move Right. Well, congratulations on your documentary. It's necessary for a lot of reasons. One, we need as much uplifting fare out there as possible. And the other is that the Coast Guard, I, I'm sure you would agree, doesn't get its due. Absolutely not. And that is one of our prime objectives in this series is to show... Not only the country, but the world. Everything that the Coast Guard does here in the United States and abroad. Give three the three biggies that the Coast Guard does. Well, the one that everybody knows is their maritime patrol and search and rescue. If you get in trouble on a boat or anything that's generally associated with the water, Coast Guard's going to be there, and that's ocean to ocean and all the Great Lakes and in between. Um, law enforcement is the one that most people don't know about. Um, there's a division of the United States Coast Guard that is called TACLET, and it stands for the Tactical Law Enforcement Teams. And these are the men and women, the elite men and women, that actually deploy not only on U.S. ships but on international, and they do all the counter-narcotics work that keeps all the illicit drugs from reaching the United States of America. How many drugs do the they? One would be, how many drugs do they stop, uh, roughly? You know, it, it, I think that they they, they stop um, two thirds of the illicit drugs that come to the United States. It's a very unique mission. Um, Tacklet actually deploys on U.S. Navy ships, other World Navy ships. They are the ones that actually have um, the ability, the license to actually do these missions. Uh, the rest of the crews and the ships can get them out there. But when it comes to the takedowns, it's it's very, you know, it's it's the Department of Homeland Security. It's DHS. So it's uh, it's changed since 9-11. Uh, the Coast Guard has expanded um, rapidly, and the amount of, of missions that they do and different kinds of missions uh, vary. And, you know, everything from law enforcement, search and rescue, to pollution and um, and everything in between. What do you call a member of the Coast Guard? I personally call them Coasties. They refer to each other as Coasties as well. It is, uh, you know, look at their, if you take, if you make a pie and, and, and the smallest, tiniest little slice is the Coast Guard compared to all of the other, you know, parts of the, of, of the military here in the United States. It's a very small part. About 40,000 active duty members. So that's not very many. And they're they're spread all over the country and all over the world. Um, so you know, it's not a branch of any other service. Is it a branch? No, it is right. It, it is, is a, a it is its own. Is there a Coast Guard Academy? Yeah, there is a Coast Guard Academy. And where is and, that located? Uh, that I believe is up in Connecticut. And it, they will obviously graduate any number of people, just as the. Uh, 
you know, the Naval Academy or West Point uh, will in their cases. Sure. So relatively speaking, so there's really two ways that you can join the Coast Guard. One is you can go to the, the Academy, and ultimately your goal is to become an officer. Um, and you could also join as an enlisted. And uh, you can go to uh, boot camp in Cape May, and then you get sent out after boot camp, and you uh, find your niche. Is the head of the Coast Guard a member of the uh, of the the body of military leaders who get together? I'll be back in a moment with Cork Friedman and the series coming out on the History Channel. PragerU's Will Witt poses a fascinating question. What if the left and right got everything each wanted? What would the country look like under those two different visions? Find out at PragerU.com where we teach what isn't taught. All right. just want to remind you of speaking with Cork Friedman, the documentary producer and director. The documentary in question will be on History Channel. It is on the Coast Guard, four parts. So finally, I was asking, are they a member of the Joint Chiefs of Staff? They are. So the Commandant of the United States, uh, Mr. Carl Schultz, is actually Admiral Schultz, is a de facto member of the Joint Chief of Staff in the Department of Defense. Right. So what do you want people to leave with after watching? Coast Guard Mission Critical is probably the most intense and comprehensive television series that's ever been produced about a military branch. You know, and as we were discussing before, most people don't know what the Coast Guard does, and they've never seen it. And that's going to change with this show. Coast Guard Mission Critical, you know, it provides a a unique, I'll use the word thrilling, but it's more of an experience. I think a lot of people, they hear documentary and they think, oh boy, all right, let me get my pillow. Um, This is a docu-series, but it's, it's, it's been composed and it's been shot, and it's being edited like nothing you've seen before. We're using very new technology and putting cameras actually on the operators so that you're actually in the action. So, you know, people have seen a rescue swimmer get lowered down to the water, and then he swims, and you rescue somebody, and they pull them back up again. For the very first time, that rescue swimmer is going to be wearing a helmet camera, a 360 helmet camera, and you are going to become that rescue swimmer. And when you swim up to that person who believes they are dying, and you look into to their eyes and you see that, you're going to feel that. Mm. So mm. this show isn't just about eye candy. It's really about mind candy, too, and soul candy. It really brings out the human part of the Coast Guard as well. And, and when does it begin? Be I'm sorry? When does it begin? The show begins this Saturday, June 20th, on History at 7 a.m., and then there's a premiere of the same episode on the FYI Network at 6 p.m. on Sunday. Wonderful. Well, congratulations to you. I think you've done, I think you've made a contribution to this country. Thank you, sir. It's a wonderful branch of the military. The the men and women are the best, and... Boy, my fault. They're the best, and? They're the best, and I can't wait for America and the world to see it. We will. Thank you, sir. We need all the uplift possible right now. Anyway, congratulations to him. I want to watch it. Very curious. I can't say I know much about the Coast Guard myself. 
All righty, everybody. Let's go to some of your calls here. Uh, all right. Detroit, Michigan, and Peter. Hello, Peter. Hi, Dennis. Uh, thanks for taking my call. It's great to talk to you again. Thank you. So I, I just wanted to share a, a quick anecdotal story here. My wife does a lot of uh, freelance photography work here in the Detroit area, a lot of work for the auto companies. And in the last few days, she worked on a photo shoot for one of the big three. I won't name the company, but uh, for one of their new you know, vehicle releases. And she worked with a large, very diverse crew, You know, a lot of, a lot of African-American, a large African-American uh, contingency. And uh, she worked very closely with several of them and had some very candid conversations with them about what's going on in the world right now. And the general consensus she gathered was they think this is people are acting ridiculously. All the, the, the ridiculous virtue signaling and that basically people just need to chill out. And she said it was such a positive, eye-opening experience. And what I take away from it is that this isn't being driven so much by the African-American community as it is by guilt-ridden white people who want to make the rest of us feel equally as guilty for whatever whatever guilt they're harboring inside themselves. So I just, it, it was really encouraging knowing that. She, she came away from it just feeling so much better about things in general. And it's just too bad that more people can't wrap their minds around this and can't see things from that perspective. So I, I just wanted to share that. Yeah, I, ho- I hope the report is right. I thank you. This notion about guilt-ridden white, I'm not, I'm not entirely on board. If you are guilty of a sin, who the hell are you to say everybody else commits my sin? If you commit adultery, would you announce all men are adulterers or all women are adulterers? Why not? To me, it is the exact same thing as these unctuous, sanctimonious phonies with this with this uh, white privilege books and and what is it? Oh. Uh, Weak, weak whites. What is the what is the bestseller again? White fragility. white fragility, right? By the way, I invite her onto the show. I invite any of these people on. Okay, they they never debate because the, it is a, a cardboard. It is an intellectual piece of tissue paper. You blow on it, and the building falls down. The, the proverbial sandcastle. White guilt? Oh, please. It's leftist nihilism. It is not white guilt. First of all, you have to be guilty of doing something, not thinking something. This is this is why the left is totalitarian, because it it guilts people over thoughts. I don't care whether you like my group. I care how you treat it. You know, I just finished another book. It's called Why. It's the name of the book. By a scholar about the Holocaust. He talks about a lot of of the uh, people who rescue Jews were anti-Semites.
Okay, everybody, Dennis Prager here. John in Libertyville, Illinois. Hello. 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 Oh, hi. I didn't hear your introduction. That's okay. Uh, thanks for taking my call. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. Um, I, uh, I wanted to follow up on something you said earlier, and it's connected to something you said last week. Um, I understand that you uh, dismiss the protests against uh, um, the policing of urban communities as a bunch of leftist hysteria. I've heard you say that many times. Uh, earlier, you, were, you, were, you said, how would the people at the New York Times, the, the white liberals at the New York Times, respond if the Occupy area in Seattle was a protest for more police? And a week ago, you speculated, what if it was about, what if it was a pro-life demonstration? So I wanted to ask you, if Colin Kaepernick took a knee during the national anthem, or people occupied an area of Seattle, and when they were asked why, they said, they were expressing their anguish over America turning away from God and allowing the Holocaust of abortion. You wouldn't say they hated America, right? You wouldn't say they were all hysterical. No, but I don't want them all arrested. Really? Oh, there's no question. It isn't. It, it okay, isn't so even. It's not even a difficult question for me to monitor. So you would you say Colin Kaepernick? You know hates America, doesn't respect the flag. You would say the same thing about anti-abortion protesters. Yeah, if they, if they, if they kneeled at the flag, of course. Of course I would. I, I publicly announce it. I, yesterday I gave a talk to, to a uh, pro-life group, and I'm sure many of them are listening, and I'm telling you this. If any of you guys have football players who would take a knee on behalf of the unborn, I would say they were disrespecting the flag. Do you know where Mr. Kaepernick got the idea to take a knee? No. He got it from a man named Nate Boyer, who was a Greenberry soldier, who told him it was a respectful way to protest. Do you think he hates America? I personally am not preoccupied with people's feelings. The act... <laughs> okay. Okay, when okay. people start laughing at me, I let them go. I don't never laugh at a caller. You don't laugh at me. It means you don't know how to debate. I don't give a damn what people feel. In fact, remember what I said right before the break? I just read in, I read another scholarly book on the Holocaust, and the man mentioned that, interestingly, some of those who rescued Jews at the risk of their lives had anti-Semitic feelings. But they just didn't believe that, therefore, Jews should be murdered. I don't care what people feel. I care how people act. That is like the, the basic message of my life on the radio but he laughed